control. When we were having our staff meeting, and this was before the coronavirus broke out, we were supposed to come back with uh, uh, themes that we were going to have for Easter. And I came back in the meeting and, and I was saying, I said, you know something? I just don't feel like in my spirit that we need to come up with a theme. <laughs> I had no idea we did at this point didn't even know if we were going to be having Easter services or not. And I guess what hurts me the most about this whole thing is at a time when we probably need to hug and cry on each other's shoulders about what we're missing, they're telling us social distancing. Look for stuff, 
We find stuff that, that, that we didn't know we had. And with all the blows that the coronavirus has thrown at us, there are some things it never can take away from us, according to the scriptures. Because God's word declares in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. My friends, who we are is based on our relationship to Jesus Christ. And no matter what decrees, edicts, orders come down from on high in our government, it will not stop us from being the chosen people. It will not stop us from being a royal priesthood. It will not stop us from being a holy nation. Even if the next decree is, we don't want churches and synagogues to have services. How many of you know that still does not change who we are in God? It still does not dismantle the church. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We might have to do some rethinking of how we do church. How many of you know for the first 250 years of Christianity, they did not have church building? But they still worship God. And they still were faithful in doing it. And we still are going to have the same job to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful life. You see, when Jesus called us to come follow him, Jesus never said that his goal was to make us rich and to give us everything we wanted as a sign of his appreciation for us joining his team. What Jesus promised was an opportunity to know God the Father as Jesus knew him. Jesus knew the Father as faithful. He knew him as trustworthy. He knew him as dependable. He knew him as able to take care of him even in the face of death. Do you recall Jesus' dying words there on the cross? He said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. My friends, what is it that we need to commit into the hands of the Father who knows our name, who calls us his beloved children? Is it our fear of what might happen, our fear of what's going to happen, our fear of what is already Jesus told us up front that the task of following him was not going to be easy. Matter of fact, he told us that our peace has to be in him because in the world we are going to experience trials, tribulations, and troubles. Nobody gets an exemption. Anybody here who can honestly say, Pastor Rick, don't know what you're talking about. Never had a trial, trouble, or tribulation in my 
acceptance. We're all looking for some kind of safe space for our lives. But the coronavirus has shown us that our safe spaces can all be illusions. So 
this talk of stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord. The only difference between David and his men were where they were going to choose to get strength to face what they were going through. Where are we going to choose to get our strength from with the blows from the decrees from the coronavirus? David became aware of the presence of God, even though he didn't have any more things materially than the rest of the men. Not only that, he had lost his status as their great leader. They claimed to have had nothing left, but they did have something left. Remember when God called Moses? Moses insisted he couldn't do the job. He didn't have what it took to do the job. He couldn't even speak correctly because he stuttered. And God needed to choose somebody else. And God asked him, what is that you've got in your hand? Moses said, am I just on the snake I was using to get up the mountain? That stick God was going to use to bring Egypt to its knees. That stick God was going to use to open the Red Sea. In the midst of this virus of things, what is it that you have left? Some of you have been praying, God, if I just had more time for prayer. Guess what? You got more time. God, I've been, I, I, I just want to one day write me a book. Guess what? Some of us got time to write that book. <laughs> that we pray we're going to sell two million copies. Now may be the time God is asking you, what is it that you have that you haven't been using? Peace. 
there's still going to be setbacks in your life. How many of you would have been happy if you lost a third of your army before you even got to the battle? Well, those 200, they stay, and David says, okay, everybody, just leave your bags with these men. They can watch our bags. We can move faster without them anyways. So they, they go after them, and lo and behold, they find him at Malachi lying in a field. And there he is, about to die. They can bring him some water, some food. They revive him, and they ask him, uh, who are you and what are you doing here? He says, I'm an Amalekite. We raided the southern Negev. We burned the city of Ziklag. Uh, we've been attacking everybody. I got sick. My master left me three days ago because he thought I was going to die. They said, well, can you tell us which way they went? He said, if you promise not to give me back to my master, I'll tell you everything. <laughs> You gotta know you're talking to a man when you just said he burned down those cities. Giving it back to his master was the least of his worries. But, anyways, they go after him and they get, and they see this huge army. But you know what? They had the party of a lifetime. They drink it, they drunk, they are not prepared for battle. David and his men, they come in. They attack the Amalekites. They can start wiping them out. The Amalekites are so scared they jump on their camels. They take off running. They just leave everything behind. All of the people who had been in Ziklag were still alive. All of their possessions they recaptured and even more so. And they started to take it back home. And because God had been so generous to David. David became even more generous. When they got to the 200, a group of folks already had feet and said, nah. when we get to them, we got to get up their wives, their children, and they ain't get nothing else because they didn't go up. <laughs> but David, because he had been touched by the goodness of God, said, no. Those who stay with the baggage get the same reward as everybody else from the spoils of war. And that became the rule throughout the rest of the kingdom, down to the other kings. We all have to struggle with this crisis in our own personal life. But we have to also realize we are not alone. We are the body of Christ. This crisis, this disappointment doesn't mean God has dropped the ball on us or God has forgotten about us. What we need to do is to see, God, where are you at work in my life in this process? You see, God might want to not just do a little work in you, he might want to tear you down all the way to the foundation and build you up again. God might want to be doing the same thing in our churches. He may want to tear our churches down so that we can see if we really are built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. There's a passage in the 
Testament, where God said, I'm sick and tired of God's worship services. I'm sick and tired of your songs and your singing because you're not doing what I told you to do. They weren't loving each other. They weren't serving each other. They weren't giving the way they were supposed to give. And they were letting sin run rampant in their lives. Does God need to tear down huge segments of the church so that we can be built properly on the foundation of Jesus Christ? You see, sure, we're taking some blows. But how many of you know being knocked down is not the same thing as being knocked out? Having a plan fail is not the same thing as being a failure in life. Losing some things doesn't mean we've lost everything. One thing I know about God, if God loves us as much as he did before the coronavirus, as he will in the whole thing as he's going to yeah. on the other side. I believe this is the chance, though, for the church to become the church in its finest hour. The, the thing that touched me the most about our giving food away this past Saturday wasn't necessarily the amount of food we gave away as much as it was the spirit in which the food was given. Our people were just smiling and talking and engaging with the people as they were signing them in and they were giving out the food and they were seeking to help them take the food to their car. It was a wonderful display of the love of God. And that's what we need more of for the body of Christ to shine. Now, we are going to need for some of us to make some more sacrifices in terms of giving. Because some of us still have jobs, but some of us don't. And Deacon's fraud is going to get depleted rather quickly. So we do need those of us who do still have jobs to try to think about those of us who don't. For those of you who have barbers and beauticians who you've been trying to tell them about Jesus and they got told you I don't want to hear that stuff. Now might be a good time to just send in a haircut payment or a nail payment or whatever. You ain't got to say, Jesus told me to do this. All you need to say is, I just want you to know I'm praying for you and I'm just sending this to help. Bet you next time they talk to you, they'll be a little bit more open to hearing something about Jesus a little bit. And for those people who say, oh, the church wants your money, your money, your money. And I hope we have 
because the church is the greatest volunteer body in the community. I don't care which city you are in. The church does more in terms of serving people at a moment's notice than anybody else can. And we do it cheaper than anybody else because we do it for the cause of Christ. Nobody came on Saturday and asked how much they were going to get paid. They did. I'm going to send them to Lorraine Beach. <laughs> We've got an opportunity to shine. This week, when you come on Tuesday to volunteer, come with a smile on your face and joy in your heart so that when they leave out here with that bag, they say, I'm going to keep them up there with coronavirus crisis going on. How come they were so happy? How come they were so eager to serve? God has given us a chance to have an impact in a powerful way. Let's take it. Let's be willing to talk. Let's be willing to answer some questions. Let's be willing to say, you know, I just believe God is going to see me to the other side. Even though you might not know how your bill is going to be paid, you still ought to know God is going to see you to the other side. He knows your name. He knows my name. He is a faithful God. His mercy endureth forever.